0: So, hey, everyone. Hey. Welcome to uh, the Unnamed Star Trek podcast. I'm Richard. <laughs> we still don't have a name. Oh, we still don't have a name. We have a few options. Okay. But we're not going to tell you what they are because we. I don't feel like it. Okay. I don't feel like you should know the background details of this stuff. But... You know,
1: isn't the product. So then that way, 20, uh, however many, 50 years from now, some two dudes are going to make a podcast about our Star Trek podcast. And they'll talk about all the behind the scenes stuff then.
0: I guess they could. I mean,
1: I'm sure they will.
0: That'll be the point of it. You know, I'm not documenting any of this. So they're going to have to track us down for interviews when we're like 85.
1: (laughs) I remember when I made the Star Trek
0: podcast. Who are you? Did you bring my dog? Oh, Hank. We have very different old man voices.
1: Yeah, well, we, we will be very different old men. Oh, that's very true. <laughs> yeah,
0: we will be very different old men. I'll be the kind of old man that's sitting on the porch in a rocking chair, <clears throat> sipping a nice lemonade. And I'll be the kind who thinks he's a rocking chair. That's exactly right.
1: That was a kind of a Two Broke Girls joke, actually.
0: Shit, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so... We don't have a name for the show, but that's not relevant right now. But actually, by the time that you actually are hearing this, by people hearing this, not me and Richard sitting in this room right now recording this, because right now we're the only two people to have heard this. Yes, uh, this actually, show... you're
1: really the only person who's heard this. I'm well, just talking about. Okay, it. but yeah.
0: let's we could go down this rabbit hole all day. Have I really heard it? I mean, you know, is 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 Ears Are they actually hearing the sounds that are being made?
1: Well, technically, there aren't sounds being made. Like the whole, if a tree falls in the forest, it does not make a sound because sound is not an existing thing. Sound is just what happens when certain vibrations in the air reach bits of your ear, which vibrate and then signals into the brain, creating a phenomenon that we experience and call sound. That's true, but... Since, You're like the only person who agrees with me on that one. Everyone's like, no, no, it makes a sound.
0: Well, since neither one of us are 16, it's really not all that interesting. That's true. But someone that we'll find that interesting later, little guy by the name of Charlie X. Oh, yeah. But we'll get to that. So we have uh, two episodes to talk about today. Episode one, The Man Trap. And we had discussed doing one episode in one episode, and I've just committed us to doing two in one episode. Okay. So sorry about that. I gotta that. be quick. But uh, uh, the first episode is The Man Trap.
1: Now, this was the first episode that was actually aired. That is correct. So when... Look
0: at you, breaking out
1: the Star Trek knowledge. So when my dad, you know, was like... I don't know. When, what year was this again? 1966. Okay, so when he was 14 years old... Wow,
0: your dad was that
1: old in 1966? He was born in 52, 53, so he's like 13, 14,
0: yeah. Um, My dad was 11. Wow. No, not even 11. He was still 10. Because okay. he was born in uh, November 1955. <laughs> and this would have been September 1966.
1: <laughs> Here's a fun Richard and Eric fact. And, like, there could be, like, for the trivia
0: game, <laughs> what year were Eric and Richard's dads born? And my mother, she was, I'm not going to tell you because it's not proper to tell a lady's age. Really? What do you mean, really? You don't know this? Well, I, as a feminist, I I'll th- tell you what right now. What? Go onto the bridge of the Starship Enterprise and talk to Ahura and say, how old are you? And she would fucking slap you.
1: Yeah, but that's because she's Ahura and she could, you know, she could kick ass. Ahura is a very interesting character because she's a very significant character uh, historically.
0: Yeah. So let's like, talk about this. So okay. the Mantrap first episode aired, not the first episode produced. Yeah. So we actually watched last week if you hadn't listened and you should. because For those of was, you just really, tuning in. For those of you just tuning in last week on unnamed star trek podcast we
1: have a very, we have all this continuity plan and like there's it's like one of those early things like the couple first episodes of uh like 6 feet under where like you don't really like the characters but then you see where they're going with it and that's what with this podcast is we have ah, a absolutely great plan for this season
0: yeah it, that could be true i don't know i guess we'll find out as we go along oh i'm the writer on this i got this okay yeah i'm working on the character stuff so Right, this was the first episode aired. Yes, this was, I believe, I don't know, third episode produced or something crazy like that. You know, they don't air these. It, it, this was the day when they didn't really air things in order, and it didn't really matter. And pilots were yeah. just pilots, and they may be aired and they may not be aired. But the entire plot of the show is Captain Kirk and his crew investigate shit. Correct. So
1: it doesn't really matter.
0: And, yeah, and refresh my memory. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break this out right now, just to just to let all of you out there know, I. Have seen uh, a great majority of episodes of the original series, but I am by no means an expert. And through this journey, I hope to become a full Star Trek expert because I know a lot about the next generation. I know a lot about Deep Space Nine. I know something about Voyager because I've seen most of it and I don't know why I was really bored and unhappy when i was in college
1: (laughs) hey we all did terrible things i watched a lot of anime for a while yeah i'm sorry i it's affected me to the degree where i call it anime now yeah i haven't been able to get that tick out of my voice yet
0: i really can't listen to that ever or watch it i i just it doesn't do it for me
1: well, I have to say, I, we watched this a couple episodes, a couple minutes of the show Sergeant Frog, which is basically the Japanese Invader Zim, in, and it was kind of good. I doubt that. Well, we weren't sober at the time, so that's part of it.
0: Ah, that'll that'll make a
1: difference. That'll do it.
0: So I I, I hope to become more of a, a Star Trek: The Original Series expert. Okay. Uh, so I actually refresh my memory. I actually don't know. Did Scotty actually appear in the two episodes we watched? I, Scotty was in the cage, was yes. he? Yes. No, no, no. He
1: wasn't in the cage. He was in the No Man Has Gone Before. No, no Man, Man he... Has Gone
0: Before. He was in there as the uh, transporter operator, I believe. Yeah.
1: And he was, I think, wasn't he friends originally with the dude who everything was? I don't know. That was a weird, bad episode. But um.
0: Yeah, we don't really know what the hell was going on with that. Uh, so, the
1: point is he wasn't in the two episodes we saw today, actually. He
0: wasn't. That's why I forgot. So... This was the first appearance of Uhura, Mm -hmm. and this was the first appearance of Dr. McCoy, a.k.a. Bones. Yeah.
1: What I thought was interesting about the first appearance of Uhura is her very first scene, she's just kind of hanging out on the bridge, and she's bored, so kind of to just entertain herself, she starts flirting with Spock just to, to bug him. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Like, I'm... Watching the show and finding all of these weird gender politics in there, like just these these remnants of this was 1966. Uh,
0: There's a lot of that in both of these episodes. Oh, God, yeah. Because, okay, so let's go into the plot of The Man Trap a little bit. Yeah. So uh, the basic plot is Kirk, Bones, and various red shirt, who I don't believe is actually wearing a red shirt, but that's not really relevant, uh, beams down to a a desert planet. And I don't know why everyone lives on abandoned desert planets in Star Trek. It seems... Mm -hmm. Hard to get food and shelter and water, but that's fine. Uh, Don't they have,
1: like, replicators?
0: No, they don't have replicators, now. Really? No. Don't you remember the line in Charlie X where uh, Kirk (laughs) offhandedly is telling the cook, you know, I know that we have synthetic meatloaf. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving, I'd like it to look like turkey. (laughs) And then a few minutes later, he calls up to the bridge and he's like. Captain, I put meatloaf in the ovens, and I now have real turkeys in there. I have to say, neither
1: of those appeal- is an appealing option for me.
0: No, it's totally not. But, you know, I mean, I, I like meatloaf. I'm not a big fan of turkey, but anyway. So they have been down to this planet, and a woman there who is married to the uh, research scientist who is studying these artifacts on this planet used to date Dr. McCoy. Turns out very early on that you notice that she looks different to each man on the planet. I, I have to say that scene was really well directed.
1: Like they, it's just all camera angles, and that they have she's wearing like a different wig and makeup basically each time, uh, or something like that. I think it's actually a different or woman. was it a different actress. Okay, yeah. but the point is like they have each time they cut away, uh, they basically it's her and whoever's looking at her in the shot, and each time they cut away, it's a different, and it it's very well matched. It's very. It looks like she's just shifting off camera, you know, to, or it's very subjective pose. It was an yeah. interesting uh, scene.
0: Yeah. And the other thing about those, uh, those camera shots as well is I think that's probably one of the first times that you see one of the Star Trek signature shots, which is the soft focus on the female character. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Which is something that, of course, happened a lot in those in that era. But uh, it's something that I always strike... It always strikes me as very strange. I, I don't know why. It's just like, especially in Charlie X, you see that a ton with Yeoman Rand. So. Well,
1: because it's not exactly a cheesecake show. Like, you know, Charlie's Angels you, or shows like that, you expect, okay, you know, there's going to... And I know that was later, of course. But, I mean, that's just the first one I can think of. You know, you expect it's just going to have all these focus on these, you know, cute chicks and stuff like that. And But that was never the focus of the show. It never... Became that, you know, it just so it's kind of like this the fan service feels just out of left field.
0: Well, it's not even really fan service. It's just it's very old fashioned, right? Like that sort of soft focus on the woman is just extremely old fashioned way of shooting things. And you just don't see it anymore. I mean, it, it fell out of favor in the probably late sixties, early seventies, I would say, I mean, you saw even Hitchcock did it. So, yeah, you know, you get that diffuse lighting, get the soft focus on them. I mean, even sometimes they would, uh, I think put something on the camera lens to make it look even more like a, a special filter or yeah. something. So, yeah, they do that a lot. And I think it's just something that I I mean, you could read about it if you really want to on some film wiki. But, uh, yeah, basically, it was just to make the soften the lines of the female characters, yeah. make them look younger, make them look a little more mysterious, you know, all that kind of yeah, stuff.
1: Well, no, I mean, it makes them pretty, you know, and that's
0: it, the thing. Right. So uh, the rest of the episode I can summarize in about a minute. Basically, what happens is various people start dying and they have these like marks all over their face and Dr. McCoy does tests. It turns out that the explanation that the research scientist gave for why this guy died, some kind of fruit, wasn't really, surprise, surprise, how the guy died. Turns out he had no salt in his body. What? (laughs) They beam up. Kirk uh, McCoy and one of the red shirts who actually is the uh, woman woman in quotes. Um, I just did quotes and I realized that none of you out there can see that because you're not Richard and you're not looking at me (laughs) is actually the woman in disguise. And she starts roaming the ship and talking to various people and creeping the shit out of everybody like takes the form of like this, like really handsome uh, black man, which is relevant because he talks to Uhura. And Uhura says something to him in Swahili, which I also found amazing.
1: I that, that I actually was wondering, I, I, I see I read that scene differently. Like, I thought they were doing, like, the... Because she's creeped the hell out by him. Um, yeah. Because was, he is acting creepy. I thought they were just doing a scary black man archetype for that. Like, I'm like, no, okay. No, no,
0: I don't think that was it at all. I think it was just, like... Because I, I feel like that maybe could have been the case if it wasn't Uhura. Yeah, um, that's fair. But I also think that that's... That kind of thing is just beneath the show. That's something that they never really do. Okay.
1: Well, that's, that's fine. Again, she's creeped out by it because this is obviously an alien who is not acting 100% right, you know? Right. And there, there's legit reasons to be creeped out by it. But that was a very weird uh,
0: It's very strange. I mean, scene. I just like the fact that you have a, a woman on the bridge. And, of course, it's not number one. She's not really in a position of authority. She's wearing a miniskirt. I mean, all these things are true. But she's not a pushover. She's definitely one of the the equals on the bridge. Um, I mean, she's she's fucking with the Spock. Like yeah. the first time you ever see a horror. she's just totally fucking with Spock. Which I, is that
1: a common theme? Because she does it a little bit in Charlie X, which we'll get to. But I have uh, something
0: to tell you, Richard. Yeah, everybody loves fucking with Spock.
1: Of course. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's just, why do you?
1: Well, that's kind of why I fuck with you as much as I do because you know it's
0: it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much it. He just <laughs> kind of raises his eyebrow and he's like, oh, those humans. <laughs> okay. Which is also what I do. Uh, so. The
1: one thing I thought was very interesting uh, was, so, so well, you could continue, actually.
0: Well, no, there's not much left. So basically but, but, but we, various yeah. people on the on the, on the the uh, ship die. I think one more person dies or something. There were I mean, a lot of people died, actually. In yeah, like, like I don't know, like six people
1: died. I like, wrote a note days. that I was actually surprised by the body count in that episode. Yeah.
0: This is not one of my favorite episodes, but we'll get into that. Um, and it turns out that uh, Dr. McCoy, you know, the, the, the creature takes the form of this ex-lover of his and trying to talk him into doing things. And, and Kirk and Spock eventually corner uh, the monster. And, and they have to kind of talk McCoy out of the haze of love into shooting the monster who's this, like, huge, like, furry, blue loved the thing costuming. with suckers. It's
1: really cool monster if, I didn't expect that at all. Like, I didn't think they'd actually show it because uh, I figured, okay, well, it will be a— but when they actually showed the thing, like, it was scary as
0: hell. Like, that was a really creepy costume. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It was really, really well done. I mean, it's it looks alien. Like, it's got these suckers on its yeah. fingers, which explains the marks on the face. Yeah. Um, and it's got, like, this sort of... Snout. Snout mouth <laughs> thing with these, like, jagged teeth. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, but it's obviously intelligent, which... This brings up... Okay, so that's basically... And the end of the show is the creature dies and they all have this like, I don't know why we killed it. Oh, you know, it was the last one of its kind, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that it just needed salt to live, presumably because it evolved on a desert planet. And, you know, uh, you're supposed to fill in the blanks. It doesn't really explain it. This brings up my first major issue with this episode, which is that if the creature is actually intelligent, which it appears that it is, because when it takes the form of these other people, it is talking uh, yeah now the interesting thing is i don't know if it's actually talking or if it's if if it's like reading their mind somehow and making a projection of what they expect the person to say
1: but either what no i because at the
0: because it can't understand the very- what they say because at one point kirk calls mccoy to the bridge and the creature comes to the bridge as mccoy
1: well there's a Section uh, w- when the scientist guy is explaining what's happened and basically the story is he and his wife were uh, on this planet and his wife was killed by this creature which was again the last. Oh of his yeah, kind. I left that
0: out, but that's kind of important.
1: And it essentially uh, he, he took the form of his wife so that he would still have this image of her, uh, which brings up some very horrible implications that we're not going to get into on this or any show ever.
0: Yeah, um, just imagine a blowjob. That's all. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God, a blowjob and a handjob all in one. Oh, um, no, thank you. And, you know, the, the scientist knows all about, you know, yeah, yeah. And from his conversation, it's very clear that, you know, this creature and he have struck a deal and they've had a conversation. So I think I think it's very clear that it does have enough of a. You know, yeah. Why didn't it just say, you know, guys, look. I'm- and
0: I mean, honestly, if it's telepathic, like it could just, you know. Yeah. It. yeah, that's it. You're saying exactly what I want to say, which is why didn't wasn't it just like, hey, guys, I need salt. Can I have some salt, please? Well, one of the funniest, funniest scenes. No, it goes around murdering people and- for no apparent reason. And how much salt does this thing need? Oh, God. Like a lot, apparently. Because well, they- it like drop, It like kills
1: like eight people. There's a part in the show where um they they're saying, you know, our salt reserves are low and uh they have like this jar and it has like, you know, a few like pellets left, but given the amount of salt in the jar, it's like a, you know, it's not a huge jar. It's, you know, like a vase shape, I guess. I
0: mean, it would be enough for someone living on a desert planet for five years, I guess. You need a tiny, tiny amount of salt in your
1: body. Like, that's yeah. the amount a human needs to survive is sure. very small. You
0: could probably take one of those pills a week or whatever. Yeah. Or
1: even a month. I of course, know. I guess the implication is that it just needs a constant food. Yeah. Um, but one of the really funniest scenes to me was... so. Yeoman what's her name Yeoman Rand Yeoman Baskethead uh, Because her (laughs) hair is very interesting Janice Rand Janice Rand uh, I I love Yeoman Rand She didn't get into the
0: pop culture did she No she totally did Really because like I know
1: She's the one character I don't
0: know her as a character Yeah she's, uh, she's, she's a Trekkies character Okay, I'm, I don't believe that she makes an appearance outside of the original series. Okay. I don't believe she was in any of the movies. I could be mistaken on that, but I don't think I am. I have, but more, she's yeah. very popular. Conventions.
1: I have yeah. more to say about her and Charlie X. Okay, Charlie X is a Yeoman Rand episode. It is, yeah, it is but, a Yeoman Rand episode. Uh, there's one scene where she's like delivering Sulu his lunch, and uh, like she has a salt shaker at the, on the on the tray, and of course this creature is like eyeing it, like you know. You know, because it's hungry, and, yeah. You know, this is, and at one, who who is she? Who is the creature as at that point? Because I don't it, even
0: remember. uh
1: It's like stare. It like makes a grab at the food, and like Yoman ran, just like you know, like slaps him. And he's like, you know, what are you doing? Like you know, but there is a part where she takes a bite off of his plate, just herself. Like, oh, that's a running
0: theme. Okay, yeah, that's sort of like you know, Which she, she brings food to Spock all the time, and uh, yeah. And,
1: But my question is, yeah, then the second one, why didn't they just go to the cafeteria and get lunch, you know? Yeah. Because apparently if you can give a personal salt shaker to Mr. Sulu, there is plenty of salt in the cafeteria. (laughs) Right. Just go to the, you know, go to the, go, go and steal like a handful of those little packets. Like I had 5 billion of them in my desk drawer when I worked at that office because every time I went to the cab, I just grab a handful, you know, it's not hard.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the whole mission of the show is to, you know, discover new life and new civilizations, and in the first episode that they ever aired, they find new life form and kill it.
1: Yeah. Again, uh, it's—and I find that's beginning to be a theme in the episodes that I've seen as well, which is that, okay, here's something, and it's doing this out of either self-defense or because it misunderstands something or because it can't control itself. Let's kill it! Right. You know, and— This show doesn't really like Diplomatic Solutions, does it? I feel like it (laughs) it should, but it's shown me nothing
0: of that. I I don't know how to adequately describe to you how naive that sentence you just said is. Like, Kirk is known for cowboy diplomacy. Yeah, Like, that's how he operates. That's how the original series operates. You've mostly seen episodes of Next Generation here and there. That show is a total, excuse my language, pussy fest. Like... Not, no. no offense to any f- we women out there. I'm a feminist. I love women, except I don't like to sleep with them. But that's fine. <laughs> um, and yeah, you just like the next generation is totally like a, a you know United Nations. We're going to talk you into doing something. But that Kirk's
1: always like. the one who's saying like Spock's. I find I'm finding is the one who's like we have to kill this. This is dangerous. You know, every time and there's yeah. a threat, Spock's like we have to kill it. It's the most logical thing to do to just kill this thing because yeah. you know why bother studying this and. Kirk's like, "Well, let's see. Let's figure this out. Let's talk to it. Let's fi-. and he ends up killing it at the end, you know, of course, but
0: I don't know. Well, it's one thing. I mean, I yeah, I I don't understand why that didn't come up. I mean, I understand in terms of the episode itself where they wanted to have the sort of action-packed, let's have a monster on the ship and it's stalking people and yeah. et cetera. But, you know, don't make it intelligent. Because and don't, that just,
1: or don't make it sympathetic. Like, yeah, it could be one thing if, you know, this is an intelligent predator and there's billions of that, you know, or like this is an intelligent creature and it's horrible and it's doing this just, you know, for shits and giggles, you know. or I mean, to, you
0: you could make the argument that the show is trying to argue some sort of uh, failure of tolerance because you're not patient enough to to discover new new life forms or something. But well, the the script as written and as filmed just isn't smart enough for that. So it doesn't. It I, I can't buy that reading. I know other people have tried to make that argument before, and I, I just don't buy it.
1: But the thing with it is the very last the, the 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 um you know the sum up at the end. They're talking about you know how at at some point the concept of the buffalo is mentioned in the show as an extinct species and you know it's oh what's wrong captain kirk oh i'm thinking about the buffalo you know and that's how the episode ends um and
0: which i love i love and that is the first uh mccoy spock kirk moment at the end yeah and it just feels right it just feels like i'm being hugged oh uh
1: but yeah i mean you could take that theme of the buffalo became extinct because of westward expansion um, basically because, you know, the, the Native Americans lived in harmony with the buffalo, and then, you know, just the pioneers just fucking killed them all, you know? And that has a very disturbing implications for what the Enterprise is doing, because that that summation kind of almost makes it seem like, you know, okay, what we're doing in this discovering new worlds is uh, destroying them, is ruining them is we're killing these new life forms as we find them. I mean, what's the, uh, observer thing where you, if you, you know, by observing an action, you change it. Uh, that's almost kind of, that seems to be one of the weird themes that's getting into here because they go and they destroy equilibrium in every episode here.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something that the original series tonally has that is totally different from later Star Treks, um, from the eighties and nineties, because, there really was no concept of the Prime Directive at this point. Uh, I, I, yes. I'm sure you're a little familiar oh, with what yeah. the Prime Directive is. Basically, don't interfere with any civilization that isn't as advanced as... I think it, later on, they sort of retcon it to be like a pre-warp civilization. So anybody that doesn't have the ability for interstellar space travel, you're not supposed to contact. Okay. Now, they don't really have that in these early episodes. So that's one thing. There's another strain throughout, I think, later later series. Not not the original series in particular. Um, and I'm thinking specifically of a couple of different plot lines in Deep Space Nine. Now we're talking, you know, almost 30 years later at this point that come into play regarding actions that you know Kirk specifically okay. took, and that turned out to be like really, really wrong.
1: Well, isn't that the whole point of Wrath
0: of Khan? Yeah, and that's the other one too, right? Yeah. Now you have to wonder, is it because Kirk is bad at his job? Is it because Starfleet at this point has not developed the uh, knowledge and experience to know what civilizations to contact and what civilizations to not contact? Or is it just that the show is of a place in time in our history where these considerations were not really thought of.
1: I think it may be just be that. Like, I, think I think it's consequences that. Consequences to – act. you know, Kirk says this thing in the credits end and that's the entirety end of that plot line. It's done. Right, because – Kirk will never think about this creature ever again in his life.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the one thing that you always have to come back to when you talk about Star Trek and when you watch Star Trek is that, you know, while it is a show about the future that's taking place, you know, three to four hundred years in our future – it is a show that reflects the cultural values of the society where it was made. Well, that's any show. Yeah, that's any show and that's any piece of art. So basically that's why this is happening in, in the original series. And, you know, again, later on when we do get to, The next generation of Deep Space Nine and Voyager, you'll see a very different set of societal expectations and beliefs into play. Well,
1: the next generation, for whenever, remember, is much more New Age influenced. Correct? Absolutely. And and that's you know that was very popular in the eighties. You had all this you know spirituality and stuff, and that informs the show. Which
0: and and of course there was this whole thing that Roddenberry decided very early on in the development of the next generation where there would be no conflict among the main crew members. Okay, which is one reason why that's interesting. The next generation a lot of times feels like a therapy convention. I mean, you know, it's it's that that part of the show I think heard it to a to a I I didn't know degree. that that was a thing. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. But we can we can talk about of that course. more, you know, once we get into the next generation. Um
1: That's pretty much all I have to say, except for the fact that at one point Yeoman Rand wonders if the yeah, you know, because the alien is in disguise, and she wonders if he's gone quote space happy. Yeah, and that I just had to. I rewound it to watch that. I love that concept. I love that when you go when you get the space madness. It's called space happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's. There's a lot of really weird turns of phrase in these early episodes, and there's a lot of really weird concepts. Right, like. <laughs> the the like the the weird plant pet that Sulu has that was
1: direct from the Adams family by the way was it uh i actually i don't remember which came first i thought
0: the adams family was the sure. adams family i think started in 1965 yeah i, I could be wrong uh but.
1: morticia has a man-eating plant and basically the business like it's a running gag that she's feeding the plant and it's just an excuse to show a puppet like that looked exactly like that scene in in, in sulu's apartment or whatever
0: his quarters ex- his quarters richard not his apartment
1: the scene in sulu's apartment looked exactly like uh the adams family when she's gardening i thought that was really funny
0: yeah, uh, really weird. I mean, and then there's these guys that are walking around the corridor in like these beekeeper suit things. <laughs> and you don't know why they're dressed like that. I mean, is is the air toxic? Are they going into the bowels of the ship to yeah. do something? Like, who knows? Uh, yeah, I
1: guess I assume just they're engineers you know, there's radiation at some point.
0: Yeah. It's a hazmat suit. You know? Very strange. But. Um, and there's a couple of nice little character moments in, in this episode. I think, again, I talked a little bit about the whole Kirk Spock uh McCoy triumvirate that starts yeah. in this episode and you start to get a sense of that's going to be the core of the show with did, you know uhura and sulu and and scotty and later check in the second and third seasons you know forming sort of this peripheral and Yeoman Rand let's not let's not keep her yeah. out and later on nurse chapel as well um sort of forming these like secondary character sort of things
1: um. Oh, my question is: Were they? In, was that intended or a happy accident? Because the Kirk Spock McCoy is considered like that's one of those classic examples. Like when you're talking about media and when you're talking about uh, you know, relationship dynamics. You know, Kirk Spock McCoy is one of those that you talk about.
0: I don't know, actually. You
1: know, is, I, I, is it that they, you know, took a classical trio of you know characters, or did they just happen to? You know, the three actors, chemistry, I mean that may have been I think a lot of too. it had
0: to do with the chemistry because of course, um we'll get into Charlie X a little later, but there there's there's that beginning in Charlie X, uh the beginning of like the Spock McCoy rivalry. Um and I think a lot of that was informed by the chemistry that the actors had together. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what the answer is, but okay. I think either one is valid. Okay. Uh and just one thing to end on uh I really like the exchange because there's like you were saying, where she's sort of pretending to flirt with Spock, but yeah, I kind of feel like she's not pretending; like she's pretending, but it's that sort of like schoolyard. Yeah, I was gonna say she hap- really do like him. She's
1: she's doing it ironically enough, so that way, if something happened, she can say, "Well, look, nothing was happening. I was just bored." Like you know, right. if he, but if he you know responded in kind, she wouldn't exactly you know be upset. Like that. That was the sense I got
0: yeah so there's one point where uhura and spock are talking and uh, uhura says to him tell me how your planet vulcan looks on a lazy evening when the moon is full and of course spock says vulcan has no moon miss uhura and she says i'm not surprised mr spock <laughs> it's like okay Aww. that's just a nice little moment
1: yeah Uhura's great
0: all right so that's the man trap Um,
1: and we never have to watch it again. That's how I feel about the mantra.
0: Should we rate these episodes? I would
1: say we should do like something like, uh, like, like that. Um, Like, like, like something out of 10. I give it one tribble. Wow. Just one. Well, it, it becomes more as, you know, it goes on, but Yes. Wow, one
0: triple. Okay. I didn't like the episode. No, is this, a, mean, is this a one out of five scale? No, one no, out no, of no. Ten scale?
1: It, it, out of ten, it was a three, three triple episode. Three triple episode.
0: I'll go with that. I liked the creature costume. I'll agree with that. Three. We'll give it three out of ten triples. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing, but we're going with it. This is going to become a thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So let's move on to our next episode then, which is Charlie X. Okay. What to say about Charlie X? I. I have to say, I remember really not liking this episode, but watching it again, probably, I think this is probably the third or fourth time I've seen this. I like it more than I remembered. I actually don't think it's a real, I I don't think it's a bad episode.
1: The first 35 minutes sucked. The last 15 were awesome. Well,
0: yeah, because the first 35 minutes of the episode are basically a really creepy teenager who is... Mm -hmm just being creepy and looking at things. And Kirk is uh, a a reluctant father figure while everybody else is kind of like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, I know. I could just read my diary from that time if I wanted to experience that. (laughs) And then the last 15 minutes, just like shit goes crazy. Yeah. And that was cool, which that was my exact problem with the, with actually the first two episodes, like the, the cage, I hated it until they got onto the planet and stuff actually happened. Um, like, while they're waiting for stuff to... The show is not good at building tension yet. Um, like, I, what they wanted to do was have this guy, and there's something a little off about him, and you don't know exactly what, but you figure he's just a teenager, and then things are getting a little weirder and weirder, and what the fuck is happening, and it has something to do with that, and holy shit, he's killing everybody. But it didn't really get that tone.
0: Yeah, it, it, it definitely... Well, let's go into the plot. Yeah. So... The episode begins with Kirk in the transporter room, and there's a crew member from the, I think, the USS Antares. 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 Yeah, wow, you knew that, and I didn't. They Who, mentioned it several times, and I paid attention. Right. Who is beaming over this 17-year-old kid named Charlie.
1: Also, Antares is the name of the family from Dune, so. Ah,
0: there you go. And, you know, he beams over, and he's kind of creepy, and they seem <laughs> really like, If you hear the error in today's episode, write in, and you'll get a prize. <laughs> the prize is another episode of this show yes so they're really eager to get off the ship and it's kind of he's kind of creepy and he doesn't really have very good uh, people skills but you just figure well he grew up on a planet all by himself and it was hard to survive so he hasn't really ever talked to anybody etc cetera, etc cetera. and like Richard said the first 35 minutes are just basically him being creepy and- there
1: was one part where he's wearing this really awesome jacket when he first gets there right like it looks so funny fucking 60s like I think there's a picture of my dad with that exact jacket how do to
0: describe it
1: I want it it's It's like
0: it's like this burlap tweed and multicolored sleeves I mean it's yeah he
1: looks like like if you somebody who would have seen Bob Dylan when he was first starting out that the jacket that that guy is wearing
0: because we're well into the 60s at this point (laughs) so there's definitely some interesting costuming choices going on uh yeah, so the first 35 minutes again are just basically Charlie, Creepy i uh, I'm just going to call him Creepy X. Because, okay. you know, why not? Because um, that's what he is. He's Creepy X. Just, you know, being creepy and, you know, uh, hitting on Yeoman Rand a lot, slapping her on the ass. Slapping her on the ass and, and being generally really weird. Falls in love with her. Um You know, Yeoman Rand tries to foist him on this uh, third-class Yeoman who apparently they have 17-year-old women on the ship, which is bizarre whatever.
1: I figure even if she's 20, she can still count as his age. That's 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 all she says about her. Um, This is very interesting Yeoman Rand's reaction at first to him because she initially – like, there's a scene where, like, a couple people – like, random people like, hitting on her and he's hitting on her. And just her attitude is that she's – very aware of the fact that she's an attractive woman, she's very aware of the fact that people find her attractive, but she's more just irritated because it's getting in the way of her doing her job. That's like the attitude very much that she gives. She's like, "I have to deliver something. Like, yeah, I have she's, to be at a place."
0: She's never receptive to it. There's yeah. never a moment in the episode where you think that she's into creepy X. No,
1: she's indulgent to him because at first she's the one. I mean, when she talks to Kirk, she's saying, "You know, look." He's 17. I'm his first crush. We have to be, you know, and she's very, you know, she understands this very well. She's like, basically says, you know, uh, for obvious reasons, it can't be me, but, you know, we need to let him down gently because, you know, it's going to hurt him a lot. If you tell him, you know, ain't never going to happen. She introduces him to this other girl because basically to because she's kind of hopes that he'll fall in love with her. And, you know, that's much more appropriate, you know. I think it's very interesting how she handles that.
0: And it's a very, it's it, yeah, it's interesting because it definitely is a very, it, it's the kind of reaction you would expect from, uh, you know, an adult female. I mean, yeah. who is a professional and who is trying to do her job and just informing her commanding officer of what is going on and, you know, the fact that this is not reciprocated. And basically she tells him, look, you're the, I think it is Yeoman Rand that says this, or actually, is it Yeoman Rand or is it McCoy? Who basically tells Captain Kirkley, Hey, you're the closest thing the guy has to a father figure, And then Kirk is like, Your flattery will get you nowhere. It's mentioned a few
1: times in the episode, like that theme, like, you know, you're the only authority he respects, etc. etc. And then
0: they've got that crazy scene in the gym later on when when shit goes down in the gym.
1: William Shatner. I did not really think. I never thought of William Shatner as sexy, but now I'm starting to change my mind. He was a very oh, man.
0: Uh, in-shape gentleman. Oh, he was a cum lad. In his prime,
1: I have to say. Yeah. Uh, I would not mind wrestling with him at age 17. <laughs> like, pretty much wrestling with someone who looked like that while wearing a shirt was what my entire movie in my head was at 17 years old. At 29, it's kind of a lot of the movie in my head, <laughs> but that's a different story.
0: That's a different story and a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, about 35 minutes in or whatever, you know, they're, they're going to the gym and they're going to get off some steam by fighting you know, he's going to teach him to fight or whatever. And, you know, he's not really into it. He kind of, ooh, a teenager thing, which is getting kind of old at this point. And you're kind of like, God, when is this episode over? And then which is
1: kind of how maybe that's actually a deliberate choice on the part of the director. Maybe. Because, you know, we're all you know, the entire theme that they're going on is, you know, Charlie 17. He wants everything right now, which every 17 year old does, you know, waiting for shit at 17 sucked. But we also didn't have like the power to make
0: meatloaf turn into turkeys. But um, oh, yeah, that's the other thing, too. So, OK, so yeah. let's get into this. So the, the pivotal scene of the episode, <laughs> Kirk and Creepy X are learning to fight. Creepy X is not into it. Kirk talks him into taking a fall. There's another guy in the room who sits down and when Kirk flips Creepy X and he falls onto the mat, starts laughing and Creepy X gets really mad. Don't you laugh at me? Don't you laugh at me? And then his eyes go all buggy and they roll over (laughs) and then the guy disappears and Captain Kirk is like, what? Mm -hmm. Holy shit. We've got a huge problem. So it turns out that uh, Creepy X has some sort of ill-defined telekinesis powers. He's magic. He's magic, basically. He can make people disappear. He can turn women into lizards. (laughs) He Uh, can
1: make yeomen old.
0: Yeah, he can make people old. (laughs) He can turn things into turkeys. He can choke people. He can make Spock recite uh, Edgar Allan Poe. And Blake. And Blake.
1: Which that's the I, 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 it's really weird whenever they put pick a like a, a, a real pop culture reference you know to make fun of it, in any sci fi or something like that but like oh huh, I did not think Tiger Tiger would survive to the twenty third third century
0: yeah twenty third century yeah. Yeah. Uh, who knows?
1: I, mean, I guess it's only 200 years that survived this long.
0: That's another one of my pet peeves with The Next Generation, where apparently the only music that survived into the 24th century was classical music and jazz. But that's we'll get to that again <laughs> when Next Generation starts. Uh, yeah, so there's all these kind of things happening, and everyone's really freaked out, and they're on the bridge. And, and, and uh, Charlie X, Creepy X, has taken over the entire ship. And then Kirk has this brilliant idea to tax him as much as possible by turning on all the lights and basically running all the water. I
1: don't know. There's a scene where they're like...
0: It's a good scene. I,
1: there's a scene where it's Spock, Kirk, and Uhura are like all turning on the computer together and it's like very dramatic and they're just flipping switches and I mean... Yeah. The fact of switches alone is hilarious.
0: They're just yeah. like switches and like beeping going on yeah. and like all these lights are coming <laughs> on and you're just like, holy shit, they're turning on all the lights. <laughs> like every single light on the ship is on Pull now. Pull the
1: do-everything lever, <laughs> Uhura. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So he's like, Oh my God, I can't handle the ship anymore. And Kirk has his cockamamie idea that Dr. McCoy is going to like dope him up and keep him unconscious until they take him to the colony. And why would you take him to the colony at that point? Like anyway, so then at the very end, the deus ex machina happens where the green floaty ship appears. God and, comes and says, I'm done with this episode. Yeah. The green <laughs> floaty head comes in and it turns out that the abandoned planet that Charlie X creepy X was on uh, was not abandoned after all, and it was these people that had no form, and they were energy beings or whatever. Oh and God! No energy beings. It's like the second time we've seen energy beings in this show already, or the uh, third, or the first? Was it the first?
1: I don't remember, but I hate energy beings. Yeah, I hate them too.
0: So. And they're like, oh, Charlie X, you have been very bad. We are going to take him. And Kirk is like, well, what if he doesn't want to go? And they're like, well, he's going to go anyway. And Kirk Mm -hmm. is like, well, I guess I can't really argue with you because I want him off my ship. And you guys are fleek and and I can't do anything. Sorry, I don't have a better idea than God. (laughs) Yeah. And creepy X is all like, "Oh, but you can't touch them, and I don't get hugged, and I don't—they don't love." And then he disappears.
1: But the fact that you know, which they don't love, was funny because the you know, the the the, the because God is basically saying, "Like, look, we'll protect him. We're gonna take care of him. You know, he's our, he's our issue. Like, he's our problem. That's love. <laughs> like, I mean, that, that's as far as you know. That yeah. kind of falls under
0: that umbrella." But he's seventeen. That's true. I mean, the the whole episode is DC Fontana working out his daddy issues, right? I guess so. I mean, that's pretty much what we're what we watched.
1: All I know is I really like the casting of Creepy X because he has a really big head, and you know he's psychic. It makes sense he would have a big
0: head. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't uh, pick him to be one of the aliens in the cage, the well,
1: Telosians, because he was only sixteen at the time. Oh, no, that's and, true. Um, yeah. um,
0: Yeah, so I think in general we've got a couple different things going on in this episode. Number one is somebody working out their daddy issues. Number two is someone working out someone who had a crush on them and was not reciprocating it. So this was a therapy episode.
1: This pretty much is my 17-year-old journal. There was one part that I particularly loved of this episode, though. Oh, what was that? And that was the fact that apparently it's a musical. Oh, yeah. I I literally have written... uh, Holy shit, there was a musical number. Is this really happening? Holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> because that was my genuine reaction to they're hanging out in the lounge and, you know, Spock's playing this really weird instrument. And you know, which is Hero's a Vulcan
0: just... instrument, by the way.
1: Okay, and what is it called, and how do you play it, and what key I don't is it know in? Because what I'm it's sure called. somebody knows all of this. I'm sure somebody's built one and written music for it, and they've tabbed out this um, yeah, song. just kinda like idly humming, and so she decides, she makes
0: up this song about on oh, the
1: starship Oh, Enterprise. Richard, Richard,
0: I have the lyrics right here. Would you like to do an acapella version of it? No. We'll find that. <laughs>
1: um and but she just and she's making this song about like, oh, it's, well, it's very racist, right? Like, but because, it's about no, it's about Spock and how like he's all like devilishly handsome and, you know, he's got these weird ears and, you know, he's an alien look, but he's wonderful. like No,
0: but it's kind of racist. It's a little racist. I'm well, sorry. It's it a was, little racist because it it's like, OK, so here here's some of the some of the lyrics. Oh, on the Starship Enterprise. Oh, on the star It doesn't really even have a tune, by the way. There's someone who's in Satan's guise. And that's, <laughs> of course, you know, he's pale skin and pointy ears or whatever. Whose devil's ears and devil's eyes could rip your heart from you. At first, his look could hypnotize. <gasps> and then his touch would barbarize. <laughs> his alien love could victimize. Oh. And rip your heart from you. And that's why female astronauts, and also astronauts, they don't ever use that word again. It's very strange. Huh. Oh, very female astronauts <laughs> wait, terrified and overwrought, to find what he will do. Oh, girls in space, be wary. <laughs> I would see the movie
1: Girls in Space,
0: by the be way. Be wary. Be wary. <laughs> girls in space, be wary. Okay, we got it. Be wary. We know not what he'll do. Basically, this is a song saying, holy shit, Vulcans look like the devil. Are they going to rape us?
1: Yeah, but there's a kind of wanting to be raped by Spock. Wow. Yeah. You went there. I went there. I saw saw it and I said, I'm not going to go there, but then I went there. I think the entirety of this song is basically Uhura saying Spock just, Throw me on the bed and have your way with me.
0: Oh no, I totally, th- I I totally agree with you. I, I think Uhura wants to be fucked by Spock like crazy,
1: but I kind of understand why.
0: No, he's a good looking man.
1: I I I, I would, I would I would have the Spock experience.
0: Yeah, no, I it, I would
1: take a couple trips to Vulcan if you get my drift.
0: I'm sure he's a very considerate and thorough lover. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's 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 too elaborate of a picture in my head to get into but just trust that it's wonderful in there um now and then creepy x comes and then she starts singing a song about him and that's not enough attention for him so he makes Yahora's voice go away
0: yeah right because he sings this song about Ahura. now since i wrote i i read the lyrics to the song about spock it's only fair that creepy x gets also his attention It's it's shorter now, from a planet out in space, there comes a lad not commonplace, mm. a seeking out his first embrace. He's saving it for you. <laughs> Do you see the the juxtaposition here between the two th- the themes of the two songs? Yeah.
1: Well, of course, and um, she also explicitly is pointing to uh, Yeoman Rand at this point. Uh, yeah, like she's yeah. she's making fun of the two of the, their couple, you know, them as a couple.
0: And then the second verse is. Oh Charlie's our new darling. Our darling. Our darling. Oh Charlie's our new darling. We know not what you'll do. I, now it's the same it's it's kind of the same line. The, the 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 this is actually a much more interesting scene than I thought. Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna hilarious. say these lyrics are actually fairly well paralleled and thought out. The last line of the Spock song is "We know not what he'll do," and the last line of the Charlie song is "We know not what you'll do." Yeah. So in one she's singing about Spock, and in one she's singing to Charlie. And it's very interesting.
1: And they're doing it, in, and it's also in very different contexts because the original to Spock, you know, "We know not what he'll do" is more just he's a dangerous and sexy guy. What's he going to do next? You and know, also it's so
0: just, he's an alien. Yeah, he's, it's he's just, literally not of Earth. So it's we more. Don't know yeah, what it's more just.
1: His thought process is so strange that he's very sexy. Uh, said, you know, he was saying, we'll know not what he'll do. I think in the context she intends it to be is more just a, he's young, who knows what it's going to be. But it, given what happens later, which is he goes on a rampage, you don't know what he's going to do.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: The point is, I realized that the song... Our Charlie's our new darling, our darling, our darling is the same as Heffalumps and Woozles and Woozles and Woosels. And Woosels. Da, 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 da. I have nightmares of that song, by the way, because that's a really scary song, the Heffalump and Woozle song.
0: Well, if you can believe uh, Memory Alpha, the the um, melody of that song is based on an eighteenth century Scottish song. So
1: So, okay. Well it's also possible that the Heffalumps and Woozles was Probably yeah. I kinda wanna watch
0: the Heffalump and Woozel song.
1: What is that from? It's one of the Winnie the Pooh things.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't really like Winnie the Pooh. Why don't you like Winnie the Pooh? I don't know. It just doesn't really do it for me.
1: <laughs> You're not into poo. Ha, ha, ha. So... See, if we ended it there, we could start a theme of right after every
0: episode with a poop joke. Yeah, let's not do that. Oh, just a couple of little housekeeping things about uh, this episode. So there's a couple of things that men sh- get mentioned in Charlie X that come up again later, and they're sort of like the little um, glimpses of world building that you see in these early episodes. So at one point, uh, Kirk says something about USPA. You probably didn't. Catch I didn't that. even. That's the first mention of any agency that's attached to the USS Enterprise, and later on it comes in as standing for United Earth Space Probe Agency. Okay. So that's interesting. We'll just mention that and leave it there because I don't really have anything else to say about now, that.
1: Starfleet is the main name of what they're doing.
0: Starfleet, yeah. That doesn't get... And that's... They don't bring that up until later. USPO was sort of like the the placeholder. They They went through a few of these things. Like, it's not really clear, you know, who commissioned the ship, yeah. who is in charge of the ship. What government they're part of. Like it's never really – It's
1: really yeah. weird by the way to think of a modern show versus, you know, this. To say that, you know, OK, well, we'll just broad strokes in and, you know, fill in and as it happens. That does not happen these days with shows. Like you need to have – if you're making a space show, like look at Firefly for a great example. Oh, yeah. They have their world completely built. Uh Babylon 5, Battlestar Galactica, all of these know the answers to all of these questions for the most part from the get-go.
0: Yeah, that's true. And now it's, you know, back in the 60s, totally not like that. And I think part of the reason for that, of course, is that, you know, it wasn't expected that this was yeah. ever going to be seen again. I mean, sure, there's reruns, but uh, you know, why would you ever see this again?
1: I also wonder if that's even you know, they didn't even think they needed to. I mean, Star Trek kind of showed what you can get from such a well-crafted and rich world. You oh, know? yeah. Uh, obviously, it took decades to build the world of Star Trek as we know it today. Uh, but, you're, you know, you make a show now and you say, oh, well, they could do so much with that. We got to get that from the beginning. Now, yeah, I basically do my understanding, by the way, whenever they say Starfleet, if I just switch in the Air Force, it's the same basic.
0: Eh, not really. Oh. No. Um, Starfleet is more Navy than Air Force.
1: Oh, I I mean, either way, it's just a government. You know, it's a branch of the military, basically. Uh, Oh,
0: God. We'll get into that at a later date. This isn't really the episode for that. But suffice it to say, Starfleet is never fully defined as any one thing. And there are a lot of conflicting opinions about what exactly Starfleet is, what its mission is. Is it military? Is it not there are like people that swear up and down that it's a civilian agency which I don't see at all even though they wear space pajamas. <laughs> um yeah, it's it's never really well defined. So, and okay. you don't ever really get into a lot of the politics of the Federation I as well. it doesn't matter. Or the government, I mean the Federation eventually it's, it gets established that there's a Federation Council and there's a Federation President. Um you know, Starfleet eventually is is established to be based out of San Francisco and the Federation president is based out of Paris. I mean, the why that is, who knows?
1: The only knowledge I have of it is from the 2009 movie where it's kind of almost given the sense of like a West point or something like that.
0: Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I think a lot of the 2009 movie Star Trek, it, it, it's fairly, fairly, uh, What's the word? In line with what,
1: you know, the fans generally think of things?
0: Yeah, it's fairly, you know, it's, it's fairly faithful to the source material. Okay. In some ways. I mean, in other ways, it, it makes certain things um, explicit that in the show were sort of pushed to the side. The whole Spocku horror flirtation yeah. in the movie comes out a lot more. Um, that brings up a good point. I don't know when we're going to watch the movie.
1: Well, I think we should watch it in chronological order in eight years.
0: Well, okay, uh, we'll end the show here. I don't think there's anything else to really say about these two episodes. What rating would you give Charlie X?
1: Five tribbles. Five tribbles, really? I really really like that last 15 minutes. And the song just is a whole tribble right there.
0: I'm going to give it a four.
1: Yeah, but I really like the song.
0: Well, the song is good, that's true. Yeah,
1: anytime there is a musical number, I will give it an extra tribble. If the Trouble with Tribbles had a song in the middle, I would give it 11 tribbles.
0: I have a confession to make. What? The Trouble with Tribbles. There's a deleted scene. Yeah. That is Uhura singing to a Tribble. Oh,
1: Tribble, little Tribble. Oh, Tribble, oh, Tribble. It's Tribble, 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 Tribble. so Th- that's it
0: right that that's it that's okay. exactly
1: it you got it i might have seen it on youtube like yeah years you, ago. you probably did you know just like you just like randomly just see weird shit on YouTube.
0: try not to get spoiled richard
1: i really no i'm one of those people like when it when it comes to things i want to know every single thing about everything before i see it
0: fair enough yeah so all right so next week we will discuss the episodes the naked time
1: oh i've heard of that one yeah, there's actually an episode. Like that's of, one where I know the name of.
0: Yeah, it's it's a fairly famous episode. I've mostly, never seen. F- mostly fa- it's a it's it's a decent episode. Uh, I think it's mostly famous because there is a next generation episode, which is basically the same thing. It's even the same plot. Uh, it's explicitly the same plot. And it's okay. explicitly the same uh, a- entity that is happening. Okay. And we'll also talk about. The Enemy Within, which I literally do not remember a single thing about, so I'm gonna say it's not a good episode. I saw that. It had I Julia know.
1: Roberts in it. She was actually really good in it. Wow, how old was
0: she? No, it was like you know, it was like her first like real movie. Like Wow. You know? She must have been like nine.
1: Yeah. Well, or you know, or she, a
0: fetus. I, I don't know. She still had that all those teeth. So I should we should we mention before we go uh, what what the plan is for this show because I don't think we really mentioned it in the I, first episode.
1: I didn't realize we had a plan. Well, we have we a, just, yeah. I just I thought you invited me over. You gave me a pork chop, and you're like, "Hey, we're going to do this."
0: Pretty much. That's exactly it's how this delicious goes. Just pork chop. So uh, you know we're we're kind of playing this by ear, but uh, the plan right now is we're going to work our way through the original series, and then we're going to work our way through the animated series.
1: We're really doing the animated series? Oh, yeah.
0: We're doing the animated series.
1: I didn't know we were going to do that. How yeah. long
0: is the animated series? It's like 26 episodes, 30 episodes. It's not very long. <laughs> we could probably do like four of uh, them an episode because they're only like 29 minutes or whatever. But isn't it like 70s animation? Yeah, but it's got some charm to it.
1: But the seven, like there was a lot of good to the 70s. There's a lot of good music. I like 70s fashion a no, lot. It's, like, it's, you know, movies, that's when the auteurs, you know, became really, but, but the the Cartoons were
0: off the thing about the the thing about the animated series is that while the production quality is not great, they got all of the original cast to do the voices and because the budget was so much less than a live action Star Trek, they were able to bring back a lot of the writers that had written for the first and second uh, seasons of Star Trek that actually they could not afford to use for the third season when the budget was cut. Okay. So in terms of the writing quality and the acting quality, I, I think it's probably, it's on par with the first couple seasons of star Trek, even though, it, you know, it's lesser just because. It so is, the
1: animation is more of a pretend, you know, this is, this will give you an idea, you know, picture it in your head, what it really looks like, you know, and we'll give you the rest.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Um, then we'll move on to next generation. Well, actually, no, we're not going to do that. We'll do animated series. Then we'll do the six movies. Then we'll move on to the next generation. Then we have to make a decision. Now, this is like three years in the future. Then we have to make a decision about whether or not we're going to start interspersing like next generation in Deep Space Nine or whatever.
1: If you have watched the first Star Trek movie, because I saw part of it once
0: we're going to. Yeah,
1: I feel like I'm still watching them dock the ship. And it was like 20 years ago that this happened.
0: By the time that we get to the first movie, I think you'll like it because you'll be a Trekkie. Okay. It's one of those movies. It's like you have to think about it in terms of 15-minute long loving pans of the Starship Enterprise (laughs) on a huge movie screen when you literally have not seen this in 10 years.
1: So we'll have to wait 10 years in between.
0: That's how you have to think about it. This is not going to be fun. So... Uh, anybody out there, if you have any ideas, opinions, you know, what we should do, what we should not do format for the show, uh, anything at all can letters. I love letters. I, I can't promise that we will read or listen to any of this. Um, but you can mail me, I guess, uh, which is Eric at on dot com. If you have any opinions or advice for us. Yes, please give it to Eric. And since I'm the one who's doing the show, Richard is just sitting here. Don't bother Richard.
1: No, I, I really have just a lot going on in my life. And Richard
0: has a lot of other stuff going on. He doesn't need to hear from you. I
1: owe like a dear friend from college, like an email from like, she emailed me two months ago and I still haven't gotten to her. So Liz, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I will get to this event.
0: <laughs> Liz, I'm sorry you're listening to this. Well, that's a good thing to end on. <laughs> So, yeah, we'll see you next week for The Naked Time and The Enemy Within. Do we have to watch the episode naked?
1: That is up to you. I probably will.